Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Hilchis Matnus Aniyim, The Laws of Gifts to the Poor, Perek Hamishi, Chapter 5. Just to recap, we learned in the very beginning in Chapter 1 about the details of the various laws, and we learned about the idea of shikha, forgetting that if somebody is binding sheaves of wheat into bundles, like in the Yosef story with the dream, and he forgets one bundle in the field, then that bundle, that forgotten bundle, should remain there for the poor. Just as the law of Shikha we learned in chapter 1, paragraph 5-6, just as the law of Shikha we learned applies to sheaves, bundles, it also applies to standing grain, which means that if somebody forgot to harvest a little bit of standing grain, this forgotten little section of harvest also is designated for the poor. So this is forgotten harvest. We also learned in chapter 1, Halacha 6, about forgotten trees, that if somebody's harvesting trees, for example, he's harvesting an olive trees, Uh, and then you forget a bunch of olives, don't go back. And this is, in general terms, the idea of shikha, the forgotten sheaves, or grain, or areas of trees, or trees, as we will learn in this very interesting chapter, chapter 5. Aleph 1... Ha'imer, a forgotten sheaf, sheshchachuhu, or sheaf sheshchachuhu payalim, which the employee, employees, the workers, forgot it. They're collecting sheaves, putting them into what we would call today the truck. Back then, I don't think they had trucks. And they forgot one sheaf. But maybe the workers forgot it, but the owner did not forget it. He knew where it was. Or, maybe the owner forgot it, but the workers didn't forget it. Both the owner and the workers forgot it. But there were other passers-by who saw it. They said, look at this. There's a sheep standing there. All of these scenarios do not constitute shikha, because somebody saw it and remembered it. What is the meaning of a forgotten sheaf? Ad call them until everyone forgets it. Furthermore, even if a sheaf was hidden away, or as he says here, hidden away purposely, 
But forgotten, it's still shikha. It's not an excuse that because it was hidden away, it's not shikha, because if he forgot it, he forgot it. If he didn't forget it, then he didn't forget it. By the way, there's a very interesting teaching, and that is that we all talk about the performance of mitzvahs, the importance of performing mitzvahs. Not every mitzvah can be performed just because you decide to perform it. What's an example of a mitzvah that cannot be performed even if you want to? That is shikha. Because the only way you can perform it is if you actually forget. If you don't forget, you can never perform this mitzvah. If you intentionally leave it there, <coughs> that's charity, that's not shikha. So shikha is a mitzvah that can only be performed if you forgot and what we're trying to ascertain in this chapter is what is considered forgotten and what is not considered forgotten with all of the nitty-gritty details. Bays, and again, just for educational purposes, where does the Rambam get this from? Same place he gets everything from, from the Mishnah, from the commentaries on the Mishnah, from those sections in Talmud that would discuss these issues, even though there is... No Talmud in the tractate Peah from the Jerusalemite Mishnah, from the Halacha codifiers, and so on. Beis Hoya Baal What if the owner of the field was in the city? He was in the bar having a beer. V'yomar, and he said, I know that my workers forgot a sheaf in this and this place. And then he himself forgot it. This is considered shikha because the uh, workers forgot it, and even though he remembered it, he forgot it. But if he said it in the field, I know my workers forgot a sheep, but I didn't. Even though he forgot it later, then it's already not considered shikha. Because when he remembered it, he was in the field. So he undid the forgetting. Because that which is forgotten to begin with in the field, that's considered shikha. But that which is forgotten in the city, or even if it was remembered, and then forgotten, because it says, the whole law applies to forgetting a sheaf in the field. We're not talking about what you remember and what you forget in the city. We're talking about the field. What if the poor stood in front of him? Or, in other words, I guess it means the poor stood in front of him and blocked his vision of the sheaf. Or they covered it with straw. And he remembers the straw. Or he took hold of it to bring to the city. And he put it in the field, he put it down, and he forgot it. This is not shikha. Because all of these cases demonstrate that he did not forget it. If he took it from place to place. Even though he left it next to a gate, a grain heap, cattle or utensils. 
and then he forgot it again. Then it is shikha because he forgot it again. What if he took a sheaf to bring it into the city? So once we take a sheaf to bring it into the city, we learn it's not shikha, but he just put it down on another sheaf. So now you have two sheeps, one that he is taking to the city, and the other one he put it on top of. He forgot them both. If he can remember the top sheaf before he sees it, then the bottom one is not considered shikha. But if he does not remember the top one before he sees it, then then the bottom one is considered shikha, because he did forget it. What if there was a very heavy wind, and a person's sheaves flew into a field belonging to his colleague? And there he forgot a sheaf. Ain't a shikha, that's not called shikha. Why? Because it was not forgot, forgotten in his field. Shenemak tzircha, your harvest, besodecha in your field. Avalim pizircha, amorim besech sodeo beshokach. However, if the wind scattered the sheaves within his own field, and then he forgot it, this is considered shikha because it's his own field. Here's an interesting scenario. He takes one sheaf, Vesheni and the second, Ushlishi and the third, and then he forgets to take the fourth. If there was a sixth, Ein Haravi Shikha, then the fourth is not considered forgotten until he takes the fifth and not the fourth. Then, by taking the fifth and not the fourth, he forgot the fourth. But if there are only five, then how do we know when he forgot the fourth? When he waits long enough in order for him to been, have able to him to, for him to have been able to take the fifth, and he doesn't, then that's considered shikha for the fourth. Zayin Murabavin, a field whose sheaves are mixed together, the shachach echad mehem, and he forgets one of them, and the, the sheaves are all over the place. It's not considered shikha until he takes everything around it. Because he has to finish with that area before you can say he forgot a sheaf. We learned about this earlier, that there are wild onions and garlic and onions, which are harvested from the ground, they're in the ground, even though bunches of them are now in the ground, you can still say you forgot it. Even though, how could you say you forgot something? It was covered. Whether it's covered or not, people either remember it or forget it. Similar scenario, somebody's harvesting at night when it's pitch dark, and he forgot a sheaf, how could you say you forgot at night? It's pitch dark. 
or he's binding sheep at night and he forgot a sheep. Or a blind man who is working and forgets. Yeshlam Shikha, all of the above scenarios have the scenario of forgetting. Because if it's light enough, or if you're confident enough to work in the dark, then you have to remember in the dark. Forgetting, because it's dark, is not an excuse. Otherwise, you shouldn't be working in the dark. That's the logic. How if, however, the blind man or the one harvesting at night only intended to take the bulky, heavy sheaves. And I guess he'll come back for the lighter ones. Then that's not shikha, because he intended to come back. I believe that's the meaning. I'm sorry, let's try again. Anyone who says, I am now harvesting. On the condition that whatever I will forget, I will come back and take. So is that, how does that work? The rules of shikha apply. His condition is worthless. Why? Because there's a rule that says that anyone that makes a condition to go contrary to what the Torah law says, his condition is null and void. Torah law says if you forget, it belongs to the poor. You're saying if you forget, it's yours anyway. That goes contrary to Torah law. Test 9. What if grains was harvested before fully matured to feed it to an animal? So also if he cut it and made small bundles instead of sheaves. Similarly speaking, if we're talking about garlic or onions, such lashon where he reaped small bundles, with the intent of selling them to the marketplace, and he did not make large sheaves of them in order to place them in the storehouse, being that they pass over the conditions of shikha, they don't have the rule of shikha. So it's, again, grain that you intended to feed to an animal because it wasn't ripe, or small bundles, or small stuff you intended to sell and never intended to store them. <laughs> if somebody began to harvest from the top of a row and he forgot in front of him and behind him, Shall achrov that which a person forgets behind him, shikha is considered forgotten. Vishalafon of that which a person forgets in front of him, Aina shikha is not considered forgotten. Shanamar, as it says, Lei soshuv lekachte, do not return to take it. Aina shikha, it's not considered shikha, shiyabra mimeno until he passes it, vianicheno lachorov, and he leaves it behind him. Zehaklal. This is the rule. Kol shehu toshiv shikha. Anything which is included in the rule of don't go back to get it, 
because you forgot it, that's called shikha. But if you, the rule of you can't go back doesn't apply because he hasn't been there yet. It's not considered shikha. Now he discusses a scenario which uh, actually there's a diagram for it, but I did not copy it for our local students here. Two people, two harvesters, began to harvest in the middle, in the middle of the row. And here you see a diagram where the reaping begins in the center. There's a row going one way, and there's a row going the other way. There's an east-west row and a north-south row. And the reapers, or the harvesters, began in the middle of the row. So you see here in the diagram, it says north and south. One harvester is facing north. Starting from the center, heading north. And the other harvester is facing south. And he's harvesting. And making bundles. And they forgot a bundle here and there in front of them and behind them. So what's the deal? Ordinarily we learned that anything that is forgotten in front of you is not considered forgotten. Because you have to be able to go back, and you can't go back to something you were never there. So he says, Shelif Nahem, the ones forgotten in front of them, Shikha, they are considered Shikha in this case. Why? They haven't been to this bundle yet. Because anything that's in front of one harvester is behind the other harvester. Because remember, the two guys started back to back. One is heading north and the other is heading south. So anything that the guy heading north is facing is behind the guy heading south. Anything that the guy heading south is facing is behind the guy heading north. That applies only to the bundles that were in front of them. They are considered forgotten because whatever is in front of them is behind the other guy. But the stuff that's behind them is not considered forgotten. Why? Because it's right smack in the middle of the east-west row. Because they're right in the center of the traffic area by the east-west row. So whoever's going to be harvesting the east-west row is automatically going to be harvesting those bundles. So that's why this is an interesting scenario where all the rules we learned till now do not apply. The fact that there are bundles all around him in the east-west direction prove that it's not forgotten. So also, the rows of sheaves that were being moved to the threshing floor, the two began from the middle of a row, 
and they forgot a, he, a, a sheaf in the middle, between them, same rule applies. So they, it has to be encountered when the other direction is being collected. Yud base 12. What if somebody is harvesting and he binds sheaves into, he binds the grain into many sheaves? And that's the process. And then he moves the sheaves. These sheaves are called Amorim, sheaves. <laughs> these bundles are called sheaves. And the way it works, the Rambam explains, is he would move them. The Rambam explains this in greater detail in his commentary on the Mishnah. First he would move it from location A to location B. Then in location B, they might rebind it and move it to location C. And finally, from location C, they would move it to the threshing floor. So there are various stops that happen in a big farm setup. And the forgotten sheaf was forgotten between one of these stops and the other. The forgotten sheaf law only kicks in if it was forgotten in the final destination. Yes, like Shikha, then it has the law of the forgotten sheaf. Already, when he is moving them from the final location to the granary, and then he forgets a sheaf, the law no longer kicks in. But if he moved it to a place where it's not the final stop, then it's not shikha. And when he does move it from that place to the granary, that law does kick in. And the logic of all of this is explained here in the note that the Rambam explains that just as with regard to harvesting, the obligation of shikha applies only when one is completing the harvest. So the completion is when the law applies. So also with regard to moving sheaves, the obligation of shikha applies when, only when one is completing the task. So that's the logic of this rule, which applies to a farming situation where there are many stops along the way of binding sheaves. And here in 13, he defines Yud Gimel, Ezeh Mokim, Shukumar What is the meaning of the completion of work? That's the place where he has in mind Lakabas to gather. Kol Ha'amorim, all of the sheaves, Shom there. And to thresh them, Shom there. Or at least to transport them there. Lamakim Godish, Shuagadan, to the threshing floor. What's the non final destination? That's the place where smaller sheaves are collected. To make out of them larger sheaves in order to transport them to the final destination. So again, the bottom line of this somewhat complex rule is the forgotten sheaf law only kicks in when they are forgotten in their final destination, not along the way in various transit stations. 
Yudalid, Shtei Krichas Hamubdalazumizu. Now, in general, we know that the whole idea of Shikha is one forgotten sheaf. If you forget ten forgotten sheaves, that's not a forgotten sheaf. Three forgotten sheaves, not a forgotten sheaf. It's a group. Now he says, What if you have two bundles? Not massive, but two bundles. Separated one from the other. Shikha is considered shikha. Because they're separated from one another, they're considered shikha. Besholish, but three. Einon shikha, not shikha. Shnei amorim, two sheaves. Hamuvdolim zemizeh, separated from one another. <coughs> shikha is still considered shikha. Because you view them as two separate ones. Or shleisha. But three, even though they're somewhat separated, ain't on shikha, not shikha, because three is a group. Similarly speaking, shnei zesim. Two mounds of olives or carobs separated from each other. Shikha is considered possible shikha or shleisha. But three, enim shikha, not shikha. Shnei hutzne pishtun. Two bundles of flax, which are going to be used for eating the flax seed. Shikha is considered shikha or shleisha. And three, enim shikha or not shikha. Tezayin 16, shnei gepanim, two Vines, v'chein b'shari ilonis, or other trees, shnayim amavdolim zembizet, trees that are separated one from the other, shikha is called shikha. Because you can, when you have a vineyard with many, many, many vines, you can forget one vine. Or even two vines if they're separated from each other. When you have an orchard with many, many, many trees, you can forget to cut one tree, and that's considered shikha. Or even two if they're separated from each other. But three, Einam Shikha, not Shikha. Shenemar, we have a hint in the verse where it says, Leoni Vilager Tazevesam, to the poor man and to the stranger you shall leave them. Even if they were two, Echad Leoni, one to the poor, Echad Lagena, one to the stranger. Bring me the Merkis Chumash there. Hayukal Hamorim. What if all the bundles contained each a kav? A kav is a measurement. Each bundle contained a kav. Let me just get you from the Kahos Chumash. The kav is 1.4. Again, 1.45 quarts. That's a kav. If each bundle was one kav, 1.45 quarts, the echot shabokabin, one of these bundles, each bundle was a kav. One bundle was four kavs, like a super bundle, ushchachai, and you forget that even though it's a very big bundle. Who's going to forget a very big bundle? Harei shikha, it's still shikha. But yaser al-arba, but what if it's more than four kavim, ain't a shikha, then it's already not shikha. Because you don't forget this massive bundle of more than four times as large as the average. 
What if each bundle was two kabim each? 1.45 times 2. I guess that's 2.90 quarts. And one is more than eight. So more than four times as much. Again, it's not shikha. Yudches, 18. What if a bundle has sasayim to saw? And he forgot it. Is not considered shikha. And he says here that a saw is six kabin. A saw is six kabin. So sasayim, two saw, is twelve kabin. Again, ha'emer, a bundle, sheesh sasayim, that has two saw, six kabin, times two. Ushchoch, and he forgot it, ain't a shikha, that's not a shikha. If you will forget a sheaf in the field, we're not talking about forgetting a grain heap. Twelve carbon is not a sheaf, it's a grain heap. It's massive. Even though all of the bundles are this size, still it's too big to forget. What if you forgot two bundles? Even though between the two there are two saws, this is possible. Can be considered shikha, because there are two. So it appears to me, that this could be considered shikha, even though the sum total of both of them was more than sasayim, which is 12 kabat. Yutes, koma, Standing grain, remember I said in my introduction in this chapter, to this chapter that shikha, the forgotten sheaf, applies also to standing unharvested grain. Standing grain, which has this measure of two saw, twelve kabin, and he forgot it, ain't a shikha, that's too big to forget. But if it has less than two saw, then we need to use a little imagination. We see the very fine. We see the very thin stalks. As if they were healthy. Baruchis and long. He's taking some of this language from the dream of Pharaoh. Where there were emaciated stalks and then healthy stalks. We make believe some of the emaciated stalks were very healthy. And the emaciated ones, as if they were full. If they could have produced more than two saw, had they been healthy, then this would not be considered shikha. So you need a little imagination here. Chav 20. Shochach, if he forgot, saw a measurement of a saw. Six kabin. Tvua of tvua, akura, uprooted, or saw, sheina akura, and one saw that was not uprooted, ena mitztarfen. Can we say that the 
non-harvested saw combines with the harvested saw, no. They can both be considered separately shikha. The same law applies bishum with garlic, and onions, and fruits of the tree. If you've got some of them sitting on the ground, or in the ground, and some of them uprooted, and there is this two saw total between them, and it does not combine, they can both separately be considered What if somebody forgets a sheaf next to standing grain that's not forgotten? He didn't get to it yet. Then that sheep is not forgotten. If you're harvesting and you forget a sheep, if there is a omer that has harvested stuff around it, that's considered forgotten. But a bundle that has standing grain around it, is not considered shikha. So also, if you forgot standing grain, adjacent to standing grain, that's not forgotten. Even one stalk, this will save the forgotten. It will be permissible to take. But if you forgot standing grain, or a bundle or standing grain next to a bundle that's not forgotten, even if it had two saw, it does not save it, but that which is forgotten goes to the poor. The standing grain of your colleague never helps save from your grain. And the standing grain of a different type of grain doesn't help for the species. For example, barley doesn't help save wheat. Until it is of the same species. Chav Beis 22. If somebody forgets a tree among trees, even if there were quite a few major measures of fruit, or if even forgot two trees in a big orchard, this is considered shikha. Again, we talk about forgetting a whole tree in a big orchard where there are hundreds of trees. Shlesha, but three, ain't a shikha is not considered shikha. When does this apply? If the tree is not famous, Kagain, for example, let's say it was the tree that was next to the olive press, a bitzada pirza. Or let's say it was the tree that was next to the open fence, a bimas over the tree was known because of its deeds. For example, it was the tree that gave the best production of olives. It was a super tree. A bishmeyer was known by its name. It had a special name. For example, the flowing olive tree amongst the olive trees because it flowed with much oil, or the outpouring olive tree, the shameful olive tree, because it <coughs> did not produce a lot. You can't forget a famous tree with a name. 
cannot be forgotten. Why? Because it has a name. But if it had one of these three, it's not you will forget an Omer in the field. An Omer, you can forget. You're never going to know the difference unless you turn around and you see it. But this one is different. You'll remember it even later. Even though you won't see it. Because it's a famous, known entity with a name. What if it was fixed in his mind? It's like it was established and known. What if it was the olive tree next to the palm tree? The palm identifies it. What if they were two super producing olive trees? Then one creates a demarcation for the other. What if the whole field was super production, was a super producing field, then he could forget one or two. Because that's the whole field. The whole, the whole orchard is super producing. When does this apply? If he didn't begin with the famous tree, but if he began with the famous tree, and then forgot a little bit, then it is considered forgotten. Even though it's famous. As long as that which was left over was less than two saw. As said before, these 12 kabin. But if you forget two saw, that's too much. It's not shikha. Unless you forget the whole tree. As we explained, it's possible to forget a whole tree in a big orchard. And here we have a diagram. If there's a tree sitting in the middle of rows all alone. If you look at the diagram, look at A. A is the tree we're talking about. Then there are three rows of olive trees surrounding it from all sides. Even though there are only perhaps two olive trees in each row, but still it's a tree surrounded by trees. If he forgets the middle one, which is marked here by A, it's not considered because the rose blocked it. Why do we talk about necessarily an olive tree? Shouldn't the same apply to any tree? That if it's in the middle of the orchard, you can't forget it because the rose block it. Because olive trees, being that so many were uprooted by the Romans, took on a special significance to the Jewish people, and that's why he mentions olive trees. When does shikha apply? With regard to vines on a trellis, we learned extensively earlier that vines are often placed on a trellis. When is it considered forgotten 
When he passed by and he can no longer lift his hand to take those clusters because he was there and he passed by, that's considered forgotten. Once he passes that vine, from those vines, he forgets it. What about vines draped over a high support or a palm tree? When he comes down, and the rest of the trees, when he goes away, if he didn't begin it, but if he began and he forgot it, and until he harvests all the surrounding areas. Here's an interesting law, the closing law of this chapter. If somebody declares his vineyard ownerless, he says, this doesn't belong to anybody. In that case, if something is ownerless, then none of these laws kick in. So he has no leket, he has no shikha, he has no peyah. Then he wakes up early in the morning, walks up to this ownerless vineyard. And he takes possession of it. He says, you see this ownerless vineyard? He made it ownerless at 2 a.m. And at 5 a.m. he's coming to claim it. He claims it for himself. And then he harvests it. Did he get away with all the obligations? Because the law is, if you come upon an ownerless piece of a vine or something, vineyard, then you don't have these obligations. It has to be your field. Chaya Beperet, he's obligated to give all the obligations. <coughs> a Peret, a Lele, Shikha, Peya. This gimmick doesn't work. Share Sodcha, because the fact that the Torah says your field, the Karmacha, the fact the Torah says your vineyard, and that's why something declared public would be exempt. Anikeda, but here I, it doesn't work. Here I say it's still his. Because it was his, and it's still his. And the fact that he declared it public for a couple of hours doesn't mean anything. But if it was really declared public by somebody else, and he went and claimed it, then he's really not obligated to give any of these gifts to the poor. In any event, as we will learn in great detail when the time comes, from all of the tithings, as we will explain at great length in the laws of tithings, end of chapter 5.